0: We're continuing this series called Top Ten, and in this series we're looking at these Ten Commandments, not as like a list of rules that if somehow we could keep them that we would earn our, earn our right with God, or earn favor with God, or earn our way to salvation. No, we're looking at them through the lens of, is there a way for us to be invited into a deeper relationship with God, into a deeper relationship with Jesus as we look at these. And so far, we've found it to be true. we found that as we look at these things that, that there's an invitation for us not to just be law keepers, but for us to be in relationship with Jesus. So we've made it through these first three. Now let's look at number four. And number four is found in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse eight. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. And so this idea of the Sabbath goes back here to the Ten Commandments, actually goes back earlier than that. We'll see that here in just a little bit. And sometimes with something like this, I think we struggle with its relevancy today. We try to figure out, how is this relevant to me? And as we get into looking at all these different things that they could and could not do, is this really something that's relevant for me today? But I think it really is, because there are really just two kinds of people, and you'll have to identify which type of person you are. There's really two kinds of people. The first type of person is the person who, when you're driving down the road and your gas tank hits half full, you panic and you go and you fill it up. How many of you guys are that type of people? Not very many. Okay, then most everybody here is the other type of person. When your vehicle says three miles left to go, you think it's lying and you want to prove it wrong. And of you guys are that kind of people? Okay. All right, so here, so that's, I'm, I was doing that just this last week. I'm like, I bet this thing is lying. I bet I could make it further than that. But so here's my question for you How full is your tank today? I mean, not just physically, but I mean, emotionally, spiritually. How would you gauge that today? How full is your tank? You know, in in Jewish tradition, on the Sabbath, it would begin at sundown, and the patriarch of the house would go into the house with the family, and they'd all be gathered there, and they would have this special goblet they would they would take out, this special cup. And he would begin to pour wine into a cup. And as he was doing that, he would recite a blessing over the family. He would recite a blessing, and as he was doing it, it would continue to fill up until it got all the way to the top, but he wouldn't stop. It would continue to pour out over the glass as he was reciting this blessing. This was to paint a picture of what the Sabbath was all about. Because here's what I want you to understand today. If you came into this place and you answer that question like, I'm probably on a quarter tank. God doesn't want you to be full. If you came into this place today and you say, maybe I'm in a half tank or I'm at three quarters of a tank. Here's what I want you to understand. God doesn't want you to be full today. God wants you to be overflowing. God wants you not just to be full, but to be overflowing. And so that's what this idea of the Sabbath is all about. And so, but I think a lot of us, we don't take this Sabbath seriously because maybe because it can get super religious, it can seem outdated, it can seem legalistic. We don't really know what parts of it are for us. We don't know how far to take it. We don't really know where the boundaries are. I mean, if you look at in Jewish tradition, on the Sabbath, they can't go out in public and carry anything. So like they can't carry groceries out in public. They can't carry, you know, car keys even. They can't carry kids. And so it makes it very difficult to live life sometimes when you're trying to go and live about life. And so they found a loophole for this in Manhattan. I just read about this a few months ago that... They somehow they, there's a line like a thin wire ar- around an 18 mile thin wire around part of Manhattan that is symbolically it extends the private space so that it created this symbolic public space. Now this sounds a little strange, but it's actually real that they they that the rabbis put a line around it so that as long as you're within that boundary of that wire that you can now pretend I guess not, but you can act like that is your their private space so you can go about your business and carry on with life. Now, how, how do you guys think, you know, that's kind of extreme. Like from a lot of people's perfe- perspective, that's pretty extreme. It costs a dollars $100, to $150,000 a year to maintain this line. A rabbi every Thursday has to go and inspect the line to make sure that it's still intact because if the line breaks, then Everyone who is operating within that sphere now has broken the law, and that's a pretty bad thing, and it has happened before, where the line has broken. So we look at something like that, and we think, is that what God means by the Sabbath for us? Is that what it means when I read my Bible, and it says that I'm supposed, that, you know, what am I supposed to do? How many of you guys ever been confused about that before, right? And so it's like, so what do we do with this? And I think a lot of us, we think it's just legalistic, so we, we don't participate in it. Well, the same thing was happening back in Jesus' day, that it was still being viewed at, at a, with a hypersensitive, uh, you know, critical lens, I guess you could say, so that Jesus was even criticized in this way. In Mark chapter 2, verse 23, it says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and they, as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing that? They're, that's not lawful. You're doing work on the Sabbath. I want you to think about how much work was actually being done by these disciples, right? So this is how much work was being done. They would take their fingers and they would clasp them together to pluck a piece of grain. And they might actually rub their fingers together to expose what was inside. They'd put it in their mouth and they would chew. That was the amount of work being done. But the Pharisees were so critical of anything that looked like work. That they said you are breaking the Sabbath, and so I think because of things like this, we don't know what to do with the Sabbath. You know, even in you know Jewish tradition, where you can't scoot out a chair on the Sabbath, you have to pre-position everything. You can't push a button to an elevator. You know, we have some they have something called the Sabbath's Day Journey, which somebody figured out basically how far you could walk before breaking a sweat and anything under that's acceptable, but anything outside of that is actually work, and so. With all of this, we're trying to figure out, does this really apply to us today? And I believe we have to be careful because we can get so critical of people being legalistic about it and not realize that maybe there's some legalistic parts in our own life. Because, you know, I'm convinced that over the years, just by watching people and observing things in my own heart, that so many times, I think so many of us as New Testament believers, would rather go back to the Old Testament law system instead of living by grace. And the reason I say that is because, you know, we have all these 613 laws, the Ten Commandments and all that type of stuff. It's not because we think we could actually keep them because we couldn't keep all of them, but at least we would know what the score is. And especially we'd know what the score is compared to someone else. See, I think so many of us would rather go back to that system so that we could look at our scorecard and we could look how much better we did than the year before, or so we could hold it up against someone else's and see how much better that we are than them. And so we have to be careful about being overly legalistic or being uh, critical of that as well, but all of that misses the point of the Sabbath, and we're going to see what the real point of the Sabbath actually is, and I'm going to give you four things about the Sabbath today, and I've I preached on this before, but I believe this is such a critical message, and I'll tell you why here in just a little bit. First thing we have to understand is the Sabbath rest is that rest is from God. If we keep reading in Exodus chapter 20, we will see why the Sabbath is even in place in the Ten Commandments. And it says in verse 11, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, we have the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, not because it was something that was like, well, this is a law that's going to be hard to keep and you need to keep this. This was actually put there as as God being the example. The the reason this is here is because it's saying that that God set this up at the very beginning. Six days, he would work and then rest. How many of you guys know God's got a lot going on, right? I mean, in creation, God had a lot going on. But here's what I want you to understand. God is not a workaholic. Somebody needs to to get this right here. God is not a workaholic. God, God, there you go. She's getting it. God is not a workaholic. He even said it in the beginning that we would have seasons and times of rest. And and here's why this is so important. This formula or this message literally changed my life. And I am not exaggerating to tell you this, but this literally changed my life. And I heard this years ago from a pastor named Brady Boyd, and he explained it this way. He said, Sabbaths are for rest. Vacations are for recreation." sabbaticals are for rejuvenation. Now, Pastor Aaron just came off of a sabbatical. That was a time uh, for rejuvenation that God would do a deep, extended work. It was like an extended Sabbath. But for many years, maybe you're like this, I kept thinking that vacation was supposed to be my rest time that I would work really, really hard until I could make it to vacation. And Many of us, we have the countdown to when our vacation's going to happen because we're working so hard, if we could just get to vacation, then we could get some rest. But how many of you guys know, on vacation, you do not rest, do you? How many of you guys have kids? Anybody have kids on vacation? You do not rest. Becca and I are getting ready to go uh, to Glacier National Park where we're going to go climb mountains. We are not going to rest on this vacation. In fact, I'm trying to figure out how we're going to get it all done because I have so many mountains that I want to climb. I'm going to try to double up hikes in the day. We've been training for weeks. We've been running every single day, lifting weights, training, because we are not going to rest on this vacation because vacations are not for rest. Vacations are for recreation. God built this idea that if we want to be rested that we would institute something, this principle in our life of a rhythm of rest. And Sabbaths were not supposed to be once a year. They weren't supposed to be once a quarter. They were supposed to be once a week. That we'd have this time where we'd work, 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 expend ourselves and then get refreshed. And I'm telling you, this changed my life. And this is a gift from God. But here's what I want you to catch. You have to schedule these things. Because if you don't schedule rest, rest does not happen. Because you will always find something that needs to be done. You will always find something more that has to happen. So you have to schedule off. You have to, because off doesn't just happen. Replenishing doesn't just happen. You have to be intentional about this thing called rest. And here, here's what I want you to, to hear today. Your calendar is not so much about what you want to get done. Your calendar says more about who you want to become. So I want you to just think about your calendar right now and ask yourself, who am I becoming as a result of my calendar? Because more than you think you do, you have control over your calendar. Now, we sometimes feel like we're at the mercy of it. But come on, if we're honest, most of us have more control over our calendar than we think we do. And your calendar is not so much about what you want to get done as it is a reflection of what you've decided to become. And part of that. It has to be this rhythm of rest, this priority of God in our life. And so we'll talk about that. But you have to schedule nothing because if you don't schedule rest, then somebody else will fill it for you. Somebody will be happy to fill your calendar for you. Have you noticed that, right? Even if it's your kids, they'll fill it for you, okay? So the question is, if this is a gift from God, why do we refuse a gift from God? And yet so many of us have refused this gift that God wants to give us. He wants to give us a gift of rest. But so many of us, we have refused this gift from God. So, all right, so, so what we're doing is we're looking at the Ten Commandments, and Jesus summed up all of the law into two things. What did he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So many people will say that the Ten Commandments are actually divided up into two categories. The first four have to do with our relationship with God, and the last six have to do with our relationship with other people. Now, I believe that's kind of true, but I'm going to show you here in just a little bit how I believe it's slightly different, okay? How the Sabbath, I believe, is a bridge between the first three and the last six. But to remind us of what the Ten Commandments are, I'm going to play this video that I showed at the very beginning of this series, and it's going to list all the Ten Commandments. And it's very dramatic, so you've got to get into it and just kind of get pumped up about it. Uh, it's very dramatic, but here's what I want you to do as you're watching this. I want you to see which commandments have to do with our relationship with God and which commandments have to do with our relationship with other people. All right, so let's roll. Let's roll. I know, right, so. All right, did you guys see which ones had to do with God and which ones had to do with others? Here's the reason why I believe the Sabbath, it's not either or. And the reason why I believe that is because, basically it's because it's hard to love God well when you're tired. Now you guys know it's hard to love others well when you're exhausted. If you're depleted, It's hard to follow after what Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, if you are tired. It's hard to love others well when you're exhausted and you have nothing left to give. And so I believe that this is a bridge in between those two ideas. So the first thing we have to understand is that rest is from God. And this leads us to the second thing we have to understand about the Sabbath. And this is why it's important for us, I think a lot of us, misunderstand why the sabbath is important but it's so key for us to live life in the kingdom of god in the new covenant it's so key because of this idea and this is number two and it says this that rest helps you to love well because how many of you of guys know that satan loves to strike when we're tired satan loves to cause division when we're tired satan loves to bring offense when we're tired Satan loves to get us to fall into a trap of sin when we're tired. And so we fall into his trap all the time because we run so hard and so fast thinking that if we could just keep going, that maybe we would outrun our problems. Maybe we would outwork our relational issues. Maybe we would just fill our lives up with so much noise that we wouldn't have to listen to the real issues, and eventually they would just go away. But they never go away. They only end up magnified. And, and we have to understand something about God that the reason He wants us to have this Sabbath rest, which, by the way, let me just say this for the, from the beginning here. When I talk about Sabbath rest, this is not about pursuing luxury and leisure in our life. This is not about just like, well, if I could just go and just pursue a luxurious life and go, you know, get my Instagram photos on, whatever. You know, this is not trying to find that moment. What I'm talking about is a rest that comes in God and through God and being intentional about what that is. So don't mistake this as I need another vacation. This is not what this is talking about. All right, rest is there to help you love others well and it's like this, I, I was at the, have you guys ever been to the Elms? To the, There's this place called the Grotto in the Elms. And it's like this, there's, they have this like steam shower thing, this steam like something, where if you go in this room and you turn it on, the whole room fills up so that you can't even see your hand in front of you, right? And, it, and it's like, I mean, completely filled up with steam, which is so cool, I love it. And then what happens though, as it's filled up, somebody will inevitably open the door to come in and then all the steam goes out. And then you have to start all over. You have to fill it all up again and, you know, because, and and here's what God wants us to know that from time to time, all the time, God is trying to do a work in us, right? But so many of us have, we keep opening up the door and the steam, the inner fire that God wants us to steward on the inside keeps escaping faster than we can replenish it. So the work that God is doing in us, we keep opening the, up the door to busyness that God can't ever complete the work in us because there's so many times that we're opening up the door to other things and we can't seem to stay replenished. The, I, I realized this several years ago and uh, I had this conversation with God. It was towards the end of the year and I was like, man, God, we had the best year we'd ever had as a church. I mean, we had more people get saved last that year. We had more people get baptized. We." Our giving increased by 50% over the year before. We had more people serving than ever before. We had story after story of marriages that had been put, been put together, of lives, lives that had been changed, of miracles that had happened. We gave more money to missions that year than ever before. It was like every stat was better than before by far. And I was sitting there you know, like saying, man, God, this was our best year ever. And then I found myself saying this, I don't know if I can do that again. Like, I've been running so hard this year, I don't know if I could keep that up. I don't know if I could keep that pace up. I don't know, where's my heart at? And I started to realize that I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life and keep my heart right. I don't know if I can run at this pace for the rest of my life and keep my heart right towards other people. I can keep making new stats, but I don't know if my heart can be right at that pace. And I started to realize that what I can do for the next five years and keep my heart right may not be the same thing I could do for the rest of my life and keep my heart right. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have an issue to deal with, don't I? I have a decision to make. And here's what, here's what a lot of people do. A lot of people just ignore that. And just say, well, I'm gonna see what it's like when I get to that five-year mark and see. And by that time, it's usually too late. By that time, we've left in our wake broken relationships, our heart is hard by that time, and, and all those sort of things. And so I had this decision. I was like, I don't know if I can keep running at this pace and keep my heart right. And then I read this quote years ago that really floored me, and it said this by Philip Yancey. He said, I wonder how much more effective our churches would be if we made the pastor's spiritual health, not the pastor's efficiency, our number one priority. Because I was looking at at my life and I was like, man, I'm super productive. But am I spiritually healthy right now? I don't know that I am. So I ask you the question, I've asked you this before. Which would you rather have, a super productive pastor or a spiritually healthy pastor? Can anybody answer that? Just go ahead and just, there's a right answer, by the way. There's a right one. Yeah, We we want the spiritually healthy pastor. Obviously, we, we do. Now, we would like to have both, okay? But let me ask it in a different way. If you were to go to your kids this afternoon and ask them this question, Would you rather have a super productive mom or a spiritually healthy mom? What do you think they'd say? I think we know the answer, don't we? I think we know the answer. We would like to have both, but listen, many times you can only give fuel to one or the other. Because if we're honest, we end up in one place or the other. We end up giving fuel to being super productive at the expense of spiritually healthy Very few of us put the fuel, if we were to put all of our cards in one place or the other, very few of us would pick the spiritually healthy. Because it's the super productive that gets the accolades. It's the super productive that checks off the box. It's the super productive that if we had the 613 laws, we could keep the checkbox and we could beat somebody else in the race, right? And so we know the answer to that question. But we have to be honest. What if there are things... What if you're looking at your life right now and you're thinking, I don't know if I can be spiritually healthy at this pace beyond five years. I don't know if I could be spiritually healthy and have my heart right towards the things of God, towards the people of God, towards other relationships. And you got a choice to make, just like I had a choice to make. Well, what am I going to do about that? What what kind of changes am I going to make in my heart about that? And, And here's what I want you to understand. The best thing you can do for your marriage is take a Sabbath, The best thing you can do for your kids is take a Sabbath. I promise you the best thing I did for Journey Church was to learn this principle of taking a Sabbath. Because as we'll hear later on, Journey Church would not be here had I not learned this principle. I'm telling you, we would not be sitting here today had I not learned this principle. This is why it's life-changing. It is so, so important. And here's what I also want you to understand. When I talk about a Sabbath rest, what, I'm not talking about just being rested physically or externally. But when Jesus talks about a Sabbath rest, he's more talking about an internal rest of our emotions and our thought life and peace being in our mind in our heart. And so if you don't experience that internal rest in seasons, in that rhythm then you're missing out on part of what the Sabbath is all about. All right, so rest helps us love others well. Uh, Rest also is an indicator of faith because it takes faith for us to enter into this. So to help us see this and what the the Israelites actually experienced as well, I've got a quick illustration to reveal this point. So let's watch. Okay, I'm here with my garden. I've got this little garden going this year, trying an experiment. And normally I have this huge garden area back here. I mean, it's, it's normally huge. I do all kinds of stuff in this garden. And But this year I'm doing an experiment, doing a smaller thing. You say, why would you do that? Well, I've been gardening this area for six years now, and I just decided that I'm gonna let this rest for a year. You say, why would you do that? Well, it's actually in the Bible. The Bible talks about this, and this is one of the things that God told His people to do in Exodus chapter 23, verse 10 and 11. It says, For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but in the seventh year you shall let it it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. So this idea of the Sabbath is so important that God says even the land should have a Sabbath. So every six years, they would not plant their crops. you got to imagine how uh, unbelievable this was and how much faith this took. I mean, this was their livelihood. So imagine not planting in advance and just believing God, trusting God that there would be enough uh, that in case something happened to them or something happened to their supplies, that they didn't plant by faith. They let the land rest because rest is an indicator of faith. And sometimes doing less requires more faith. So God put this principle in place when He took them out of Egypt and took them into the land, uh, into this wilderness area that God was supernaturally providing for them from manna from heaven. Except for on the seventh day, He wouldn't give them any. So sometimes they would try to store some up and store some extra, and it wouldn't work. I mean, there'd be worms in it. They'd be nasty, except for the sixth day. God says, I'm going to give you enough for the sixth day and the seventh day. Exodus chapter 16, verse 29, it says, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Again, imagine how much faith this took that they were going to store up and have enough for two days when every other time they tried, it didn't work. And just contrast this with what was happening back in Egypt. Remember, Pharaoh said, I want you to make bricks without straw. So they had to, in one day, do two days work. They had to not only make bricks, but they had to get the straw to make the bricks. And God's reversing that principle and saying, I'm gonna bless you if you can trust me, that I'm gonna give you enough blessing in in one day to take care of two days. And so, whenever they tried to store up outside of that sixth day, it just didn't work because it takes faith to rest. And so the same principle for us, it takes faith for us to rest, once a week. It just does. It's, I like how Robert Morris puts it. He said, it's kind of like the tithe. Like God can do more when we give him our tithe and he can do more with our 90% than we can with our hundred percent. It's the same thing. Like when we trust God with the Sabbath, then God can do more in six days than he can, than we can with our own seven. And so really here's what's going on. Rest is not a, a product of our, you know, failing to rest is not a product of us just being so busy. Failing to rest really is a product of our pride, that we're not willing to trust God. It's saying, you know, Sabbath is saying, God, I trust you that you can run this world, you can run my world for one day without me. And so rest is an indicator of faith. All right, so rest is an indicator of faith. Let me tell you something about uh, faith and, and this idea of rest. Rest is a very practical way to proclaim, Jesus, you are Lord, and I am not. When we rest, we're saying, Jesus, you are Lord, and I am not. And what this also does, Sabbath rest reminds us of a very important principle that our identity is found in Jesus Christ and not in what we do. So many of us need to hear this, guys. When when Pastor Aaron came back off of sabbatical, he said one of the things that God was speaking to him and reminding him is that he is simply a son before the Father, instead of all these other things. And that was exactly the same thing that God dealt with me on my sabbatical, reminded me, because it had to strip away all the other things, all the things I do, any title, any whatever else happens, I had to be reminded of this very simple idea that it doesn't matter, I'm not, my identity is not in what I do, my identity is found in Jesus. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that must be nice to, to have a day. And, I, and what do you do on that day? Well, again, I like the way Robert Morris puts it. He says, it's not so much about what I do, but more about what I don't do on my Sabbath. And I don't do those things that I typically associate with my normal work. So that's going to look different for every single person, you you know, don't get legalistic about it. For me, when I get on a Sabbath, it, it's simply I've set aside that day to do things that are not what I normally do in the routine of life, and I can do, uh, it, it's about what I don't do. So I set that aside. I may go for a run on my Sabbath. I'm not legalistic about it. I'm doing things that fill my bucket, that fill up my family, that enrich me spiritually, That that, find, that, that helped me find that Sabbath rest in God and I even pray about it on those days. And so, uh, so you might be saying, well, I don't know if I can do that, like set aside one day a week to set aside for replenishing and rest. Well, then here's my question for you. Then what can you do by faith? Can, can you do an hour? Can you start off there? Can you do a half a day? Can you find, can you do, a, can you start somewhere by faith? Like, can you start somewhere by faith? Because rest is an indicator of faith. Can, can you, it's, it's like Elijah with the widow with the, the jars of oil. And, and as many jars as she brought, they were filled, right? So this idea of stepping into this by faith is bringing God. Here's what we have to understand. Whatever we give to God, he fills. So you have to understand, whatever you give to God, he's going to fill. What can you give to God? What can you do? What can you start with by faith? All right, and here's, here's the last thing, number four. Rest guards the call of God on your life. You may not think this is, rest is so important, but I'm telling you, rest guards the call of God in your life, and here's, here's why this was so life-changing for me, I've been hinting at it all throughout the message, here's why it's so life-changing for me. About 10 years ago, I was running so hard. I mean, I'm a very driven person and I run, work hard. Whatever I do, I try to do it all the way, okay? If you know me, I'm like, all, I mean, high RPM, let's go. And especially 10 years ago, I mean, I would work, 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 work. We're starting the church. I'm working on the side. I'm doing the church. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm work, 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 run, 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 trying to produce as much as I can, trying to be faithful, trying to work hard. And I would run and run and run and work and work and work until I would get sick and be in bed for a couple days. And the only thing that would slow me down, and I almost took that as like a pride thing, like, like, like a good thing. Like, look, I worked so hard until the only thing that stopped me is once every so often, I will not work because I can't work because that's how hard of a worker I am. And I almost took it as an issue of being, look, look how good I am because I worked until I was sick and I didn't stop. And so then sickness would become my Sabbath or exhaustion would become my Sabbath. And I would work, 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 run, run, run. Until finally, I remember the day, it was years ago before we were even in this building, but I picked up my cell phone and I called one of our overseers of our church and I said, I wanna quit, I'm done. I'm done, I, I was dealing with people issues at the time, I was dealing with all kinds of stuff, I was so frustrated, I was like, I'm done. I tried, I'm done. And fortunately, he was on the other end, and he, he talked me back. He said, no, I think you're going to regret that decision. You need to think about this. You need to pray about this. And really kind of he talked me off the ledge, so to speak, and said, no, come back. And so I, I got off that phone call, put it down, and I said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. For the next two weeks, I'm only going to work 40 hours at the church only 40 hours, including weekend services and everything. I, it, I'm, only going, I'm going to limit to that, and it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter you know, what pressure is put on me. It doesn't matter how many people I disappoint that I can't make an appointment. It doesn't matter if somebody dies or whatever happens. I'm just going to work 40 hours, and then I'll decide. So I got to the end of the two weeks, my little two-week experiment, and I was like, it was like the birds were chirping again, and the sun had come out, and I was like, I don't feel like quitting at all. I feel like going again. And God spoke to me in that moment and says, that's because you were just tired. And I started to realize that every, I had this pattern of I would run so hard during certain seasons and it used, and I started to recognize a pattern even certain times of the year that I would feel like quitting at that same time of the year. And God said, no, you were just tired. And that was when I finally learned this principle of the Sabbath. And you can ask our staff or our ministry leaders or if you've been around. Like, I, I block off the Sabbath. And for me, it's a Friday because I work all weekend long, you know. But for me, it's, it's a Friday. And you're going to have a hard time getting a hold of me for anything church-related on a Friday. That's just the way it is. And it was the best decision I made for Journey Church because Journey Church would not exist had I not made that decision. I want you to understand how important this is. Rest will actually guard the call of God on your life, and it almost costs me the call of God because I wasn't resting. And it makes me wonder... What potential has already been cost for many of us in this room because we haven't rested? Or maybe in the future, if we don't get the rest that we need and the rhythm that we need, what what might we bypass because we're we're too distracted, we're too busy, we're too exhausted to be able to walk out what God has called us to walk out? Matthew chapter 25. Verse 1, you've heard this most likely before. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps, went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. All right? But when the wise took, they, they took flasks of oil with their lamps. And the bridegroom was delayed, and they all became drowsy and slept. All right, let's look at this picture here. There's ten, five wise, five foolish, five have oil, five. uh, foolish ones do not. They were all doing the same thing, though. They were all waiting for the bridegroom to call, and they all of them fell asleep. All of them fell asleep, all doing the same thing. Okay? It says, but at midnight there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with them to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. They were all doing the same thing. Here's the thing being filled allows us to seize opportunities when they come. God can't use you if there's nothing in the tank. Our mission requires margin. All of these things are truth that we sometimes forget. And if you're not available, when God comes calling, here's what I've seen over the years. He moves on. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because his mission is so important that he'll find somebody to say yes. And so many of us have been running so hard, distracted with so many things. We've become a Martha instead of a Mary that God has come knocking at the door. The bridegroom has come and we may not even have realized that he's come. Or when he does come, we, we don't even have it in our heart to say yes because we're so discouraged, because we're so exhausted, because we're so tired. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is found right there in that story. The answer is found right here. And it's, it's this, that you have to intentionally get oil when you don't need it so that it'll be there for when you do need it. And so many of us... We may be in a season right now where we don't think we need oil because we don't think we need rest. We don't think we need to get replenished from God because it seems like things are going okay. But you have to intentionally get oil when you don't think you need it so that it'll be there for when you do. I'm gonna have the worship team come back up and as they do, let me ask you this one very difficult question. But if you're honest with yourself, I think it will propel you into, um, into a new season. And here's the, the tough question I'm going to ask you. What part of God's call are you sacrificing because you're not rested? What part of God's call are you sacrificing because you're too busy with other things instead of kingdom things? Here, here's what I want you to understand. When We're not talking about leisure. I'm not saying... You know, I don't want you to hold up your, your airplane ticket and say, see, I, I've got a rest coming up. I don't, I'm not talking about that. We're talking about a rest that comes with Jesus where we get replenished spiritually, emotionally. We become not super productive people, not lazy people, but we become spiritually healthy people. And Jesus says this with this last scripture I'm gonna read to you in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. This is a rest that comes from Jesus as we enter it by faith. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I wanna encourage you today I want to challenge you, first of all. I want to challenge you because I understand if you are a driven, high-energy person, I understand where you're coming from. And I understand how hard it is to think that the right thing to do would be to slow down from time to time. I understand that because I've lived that. But here's what I also understand. I understand that I almost cost the call of God on my life because I was too busy, because I was running too hard, because I was working too much, And I didn't understand this principle of faith, that if I can give God the six days with the rest on the seventh, he can do more in that time than I could do on my own in the seven. And for some some of you, my prayer is that this would be as much of a game changer for you as it was for me. I'm telling you, there's a before Sean and an after Sean, and it happened about a decade ago. And my plan is to be spiritually healthy for the rest of my life, to be able to run as long as I can for the rest of my life. Not to be super productive for the next five years and burn out, but to be spiritually healthy so that my heart is right towards other people. Would you stand up with me? Come on, this this is one of the harder messages that I preach. I know it sounds weird, but preaching on the Sabbath really is one of the harder messages I preach every year because it runs against the grain of everything we're told in America. It's like, you got to make your own way, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, keep working harder. And if you can just work, 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 you'll get the American dream. And God does love it when we work hard. God created us for good works. We glorify God when we work hard, but not apart from rest, not apart from rest. Rest is a very spiritual activity. And some of us need to grow into maturity where we find that it's okay. Like I can actually sit down with a glass of tea under a tree for an hour and just enjoy life without feeling guilty about it. That I can sit there long enough so that my soul becomes still enough that I might be able to hear God's voice in a way that my busyness has not allowed me to. It's okay. And it's not just on vacation, it's the rhythm of every single week, it's a rhythm. Jesus had this pattern of ministering and then drawing away, ministering and getting replenished. I'm telling you, your life will be more full of joy. Your life will be more full of hope. Your life will be more full of Jesus if you do this. So God, we come before you right now and we thank you for this gift of rest. And Lord, we see it not as a law that we have to keep, but we see it as an invitation to a deeper relationship with you and other people. That as we rest and get replenished and the work of God on the inside of us is cultivated and tended to, that it allows us to love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and it allows us to love others well. So Lord, I pray for it. A replenishing, a refreshment, a season of refreshment to happen in us, in these people, in this season, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship Him one more time.